Welcome everyone to our worship service once again. I can't tell you how great it is to see you all. Um, this is, I love our church and I love coming to church and I love seeing everybody uh, when we come together to worship um, our living Savior and our God. So welcome um, to all of you. If you're, if you're here for the first time, I just want to say a special welcome to you. So glad you're here to join us. Um, we're going to be going into <clears throat> Romans 8 uh, to read our passage today. So if you have your Bibles, um, if you're home, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open it to Romans 8, and we're going to read from verses 14 uh, to 17. <clears throat> I'm going to actually read off the screen because I forgot to bring my Bible today. <laughs> so if you excuse me, I'm going to be reading off the screen, but this is the, the living Word of God. This is Romans 8, verse... 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. <clears throat> and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, today we get this great privilege to talk about another angle of the gospel. All summer we've been going through the gospel clarity series, looking at the gospel from different angles. And today we get to look at what I think is the warmest, most affectionate, most loving, at least to me, angle of the gospel, which I'm so excited to share with you. And that angle today that we're going to look at is the angle of adoption. The gospel tells us that we have not only been saved, but we have been adopted into the family of God by what Jesus has done. And that is good news to all of us. And that's a beautiful side of the gospel that we're going to look at today. <clears throat> I think that adoption is so beautiful because it talks about the core of who we are as children of God. It's not just this affectionate add-on to being saved, but it talks about the core of who we are. And I think for me, adoption makes all the rest of the sides of the gospel make a lot more sense. It makes more sense to me that we are children of God, and so he's called us to be sanctified. It makes more sense to me that we are children of God, and therefore we are forever his. Adoption for me is like the glue that holds everything together, and adoption also makes everything clear to me. It holds the gospel in many ways with a warm, warm embrace. So today we're going to dig into the gospel um, by looking at adoption, and we're going to have a couple of people come up and give us a couple of special presentations to make adoption more real to us. And so as we dig into Romans 8, th these are the three things we're going to look at together as we look at the, the, the side of adoption. We're going, to look, we're going to ask the question, what is adoption <clears throat> exactly? What is adoption? And then secondly, we're going to see our struggle with adoption. You see, brothers and sisters, we struggle with receiving it. And we're going to talk about that. And finally, we're going to look at the privileges that we get as adopted children of God. And by looking at that, I hope you see why this is the warmest, most affectionate, and, and very powerful aspect of the gospel. Adoption. What is it? Why do we struggle with it so much? And what are the privileges that we get to claim as children of God? That's what we're going to look at together, okay? Let's ask the Holy Spirit for help as he tells us more about the uh, beauty of adoption. Father, we come to you in prayer. Help us to understand the, this beautiful angle of the gospel 
as you say here, bear witness to us that we are children of God. I especially want to pray for our hearts because we struggle with this. We really do. And we pray that you would help us so that you would break through our struggle so that we would see that we are beautiful, beloved children of God. Show us today what that means. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this angle of the gospel, what is adoption? Adoption, very simply, is this idea that when we are saved, we are actually brought into the family of God as his children. We are brought into, by the work of Jesus Christ, not just heaven, but we are brought into this family, and we get God as our Father. And let's see that more clearly. Let's look at Romans 8 together again, 15 and 16. This is what Paul writes. He says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is a a huge, huge doctrine. John Piper, in fact, he said that adoption is bigger than the universe. And what he meant by that was that the universe is only created so that God can work out this story of adopting us into his family. It's just a stage, the giant universe. It's just a stage for God to work out the story of adoption to us, to show us he's bringing us into his family. And the idea is that when Jesus Christ died for our sins, he not only saved us, but he brought, in, brought us into the family of God as his siblings so that, and listen to this, so that we are loved by God just as Jesus is loved by God. Huge idea. That we are loved by God just as Jesus is loved by God, and just as Jesus receives the love of the Father, we, when we are adopted into his family and we believe and receive Jesus in the gospel, that we also are loved by God just as Jesus is loved. That, my brothers and sisters, is the good news of adoption. It tells us that one time we were fatherless, we were lost, and we did not have a family, and we were separated from our father, and that's a big problem that we had to deal with. The problem that we had to deal with was not just that we were going to hell. The problem that we had to deal with is that we didn't have a dad. So we were separated from our father. We were separated from his care. We were separated from his favor and grace. You were at one time, Paul says, children of wrath. You were just out there without a father. You were fatherless. But God had a heart for the fatherless, and he moved toward you and in Jesus Christ. What he did was he mended the relationship between you and the Father so that you are brought back into the family of God. You get your father back, and that is called adoption. And as Western Christians, we really need to absorb this, I think. Um, I, I really want to, every week, attack this idea that to be saved means you get to go to heaven. That to be saved means that you get a ticket to heaven. Because as Western Christians, that's our inheritance. That's what we are obsessed with. We get to go to heaven when we die. That's what we think that salvation means. But we have to keep coming back to this and see that the gospel and salvation is so much more rich than that. And today, the gospel of adoption tells us that it's not just about going to heaven, but it's about getting your dad back. It's about getting your father back and becoming one of his children once more. Isn't that beautiful? Because it would have been enough for him to just justify us, 
forgive us and to bring us into heaven and to make us like one of his servants in heaven. Would that not have been enough for those who have sinned against him? But God said, I don't want that. I don't want you to be a servant in my heaven. I don't want you to be a servant in my kingdom. I actually want you to be one of my kids whom I love. You see, that's a very different idea. The prodigal son is returning home in Luke 15, and he thinks the best he can do, the best he can get, is to become one of his father's slaves. And so he's walking home, and he's practicing what he's going to say to his father so that there's this chance, maybe there's a chance, that the father is going to make him like another one of his hired servants. That's his hope. And so he's practicing this speech. But then while he's away off, while he's far off, the father runs to him, and he embraces him, and he says, welcome home, my son. You see, the, the son expected to become a slave, but the father was waiting to make him again his son. And that, brothers and sisters, is the core identity that we have underneath every one of your identities, that you are a child of God if you have Jesus Christ. You are a child of God, and that's the identity underneath every identity, and you need to know that. You know, when we introduce ourselves to other people, we're revealing our identity to one another, right? So if I meet you for the first time, I'll say, my name is Dave, I'm a pastor, I'm married to my wife, Hime, Um, what else? Uh, I like like books and basketball, and and I like sandwiches, that's kind of like me, right? Uh, That's just, you know, my identity, And I'll start to introduce myself to you in that way. But guess what? All of those things can be changed. All of those things are not um, indefinitely parts of my identity. Those things do not indefinitely define me. Do you know that in heaven, we won't be married to each other? In heaven, we will enter into the marriage that we have been waiting for with Jesus Christ. And so, Kime and I, we won't be married in heaven. We will be brothers and sisters. Everything can change. I might be called away from the ministry to do something else. God can do that. He might call me away to use me in a different way. I won't be a pastor anymore. Um, I could say, hi, I'm Dave. I live in Ridgewood. But I could move. Maybe I want to be closer to church. And I can move. Maybe my interest will change with my age. All of those things are not indefinite parts of my identity, but the core of who you are in Jesus Christ will never change. You are a child of God. And today, we're going to go on this journey to really discover what that means for us because we struggle with that identity. You struggle with your identity of being a child of God. You refuse it in a lot of different ways. It's almost as if the the prodigal son runs home And when he comes home, the father runs to him and puts the robe on him and says, you are my son. This is the the robe of our family. But there's something about us and something about the son that fights the robe off. It says, I don't want the robe. No, I'd rather be a slave. Don't make me your son. I want to be your slave. There are things inside of our hearts that we do that to God all the time. And all the time, God is embracing us. I I imagine him putting the robe over the son and then just kind of hugging him like this, trying to keep the robe on top of his son and saying, no, you are my son. You are my child. But we keep fighting it and saying, no, I'm not. 
and we struggle with this identity, and we struggle with receiving our adoption as sons and daughters of Christ. And I want to show you that. God, he keeps trying to convince us that we are his. Let's read Romans 8, verse 15 uh, to 17 once more. Here's our struggle. We have a spirit of slavery. And Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And listen to 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, he's saying, God keeps trying to convince us, you are my child. And we keep saying, no, we're not. You may not say that verbally, but in so many ways, you reject his fatherhood. And we don't let adoption sink into us. I think there's a part of us that has a hard time believing that he really loves us the way that he loves Jesus. That's hard for you to believe, isn't it? There's something inside of us that says, I understand why you love Jesus like that. He is your one and only beloved son. John 3, 16, I know. But how could you love me the way you love Jesus? We have a hard time believing that. And actually, I can't think of a better way to illustrate this than actually to bring up um, our sister Hannah, who's going to come and to give us um, a testimony of her adoption Hannah Parks, she's uh, from the KM, if you could come up. Hannah, we could welcome her as she comes up to give us her testimony. Um, our sister Hannah is here uh, to tell us a little bit about her story um, of adoption. And so, yeah, today I'll give you the space and let's hear a little bit about um, Hannah's story of what God has done through her. Hi. This is a good afternoon. Uh, my name is Hannah Park. I am wife of Pastor Jibbub, and I am a mother of six kids, age 31 to 14. So there's a big age gap. I'm also a grandmother of two boys. Um, my story is I am an adoptee, and as a, I am an adoptive mom, parent. And I wanted to share my adoptive journey with you guys, and. It's amazing when a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Dave asked my husband to ask me if I wanted to share, my first answer was no. I'm done, I'm done with adoption issues and adoption, you know, adoptive topic. I just want to be normal, I said. But I realized if I don't share my story, people who have not experienced adoption will never understand. So I feel like, okay, this is a time for me to share uh, what my adoption journey was. Um, I was... Born in Korea in 1966, and I was adopted to a Korean parents. And in, when I was four years old, I was I came to America with my parents. So I'm very gra grateful that I was adopted to a Korean family. I'm even more grateful that I was adopted to a Christian family because through my parents, I was able to know who God was. Um, my father was a very loving man. Everyone in the Korean society, in my church, they all knew that my father adored me. Like, they actually made fun of him. They're, you know, they would say, like, you love your daughter too much. And he would always save the best, and he would encourage me. He wasn't the typical you know, parents back then in the 60s and 70s. He always hugged me, kissed me, and told me how pretty I was and how special I was. 
My mom, on the other hand, was very cordial. She wasn't mean. You know, she took care of me. She took, gave me all my physical needs or, you know, took, you know, bought my clothes, fed me. But she never encouraged me. But she never said anything bad to me either. I, I think she treated me like a guest. Like, imagine if a guest come, whether you like them or not, you're just courteous to them and you provide whatever they need to, you know, for during their stay. And I think because she, she our relationship was like that, um, I wasn't able to bond with her. You know, she was a good mom, yet I didn't bond with her. Whereas my dad, you know, he just really embraced me of his own. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell that he's not my biological father. And that's how I grew up. But I have a definition of two things in my journey, what adoption is. Number one is adoption is trauma. Is that hard to realize that it's trauma? Because when you hear about adoption stories, you think about the child, wow, she gets to go into this wonderful family, and she's going to be blessed, and she's going to be taken care of. You know, it's much better than being in an institution or being in foster care. But as an adoptee, when we are pulled away from our biological mom, our birth mom, there is trauma. And there's a term called primal wound. And I didn't realize this, but now I see it day to day because I work in labor and delivery, and I see the babies being born. And the, as an infant, 10 months in utero, all you know is comforted is by your biological mom's voice and heartbeat. But when, as an adopted child, you get pulled away. So not even just adopted child. If your mom, if your mom died in delivery, then there's going to be that trauma for that infant, or whatever reasons. But the bottom line is the, the infant being pulled away from their biological mom. And in, at my workplace, we see that when the baby's born for a few five minutes, they're taken to the baby warmer, and you know we, we assess them. And during that time, some babies cry. They cry a lot. But the moment we put them back on their mom's chest, they stop crying. So that's how important it is for a baby to bond with their mother. And I realized I didn't have that. I had that primal wound. So growing up, even though I was loved and um, treasured and cherished, I had this loss. Uh, first of all, I didn't have trust in people. Because it, it kept going back to, well, if my own biological mom gave me up, who could really love me? I mean, the one who gave birth to me gave me up. You know, of course, you're young, but you think about that things. So I'm sure my biological mom could have a really valid excuse, you know. Maybe she didn't want to give me up, you know. She was forced to give me up. We don't know the whole story. But as an adoptee, we take it as, you know, I was abandoned. You know, I was thrown away kind of feeling. And as a teenager, I couldn't develop like strong relationship with people, not necessarily boys, even just girlfriends. Because the moment I see any little bit of disloyalty or, you know, I took it as like, oh, they're no good. You know, like they're stabbing me in the back. And I just gave up. I never continued this relationship. And I, so I didn't have a lot of deep friendships, you know, in high school or college. So I'm so thankful I met my husband because he's, he was a solid man and he stayed. But... I would reject people. Like, when they want to get close to me, I'm always thinking, like, oh, you'll just, you know, touch my heart and you'll leave me. So I would have this guard and just not allow them to enter into my life. So, of course, with that, I have insecurities 
and low self-worth. And it all, it all started with always questioning myself, how could my mom give me up, my birth mom? You know, I don't even think about the birth dad, but just the mom, because you went through that pregnancy and childbirth. And that's my story on the side as an adoptee. Um, as an adopted mom, the reason we decided to adopt was because I had a great childhood, and I, I was thankful that I had a loving parents. Um, I was, you know, really taken care of and loved, and they introduced me to God. So because of that, I felt like I needed to bless another child the same life that I was given. So after we had four kids, um, my youngest being like, three and a half, no, no, like four years old. So we had like four, six, eight, nine, ten, or something like that. Like We had like four little kids we decided to adopt. And uh, many of you guys might know her. It's Rachel. She's 21 now. And when we decided to adopt, in 10 months, she came to our home. So it was like a pregnancy, you know? Like the moment we decided, okay, we're going to adopt, 10 months later, she was in my arms. We went to Korea to um, get her, and she was 21 months old. And I could just remember this, the day that I was in the office, and then the social worker brought Rachel. She was only 21 months, you know. She's still in day diapers. And the social worker handed me Rachel to me and said, here, this is your daughter. When, when she said that, it was so foreign, because I'm so used to giving birth, and someone saying, this is your daughter. But not, you know, someone else went through all that hard work and delivered this child into this world. And how could she be my daughter? And we've been saying, and I challenged the moms out here who've actually given birth, and who knows what kind of work it was and effort. But every time we have this new child in our home, we always say, thank you, God, for this precious gift. You know, it's a child of God, and it's a gift. But honestly... Because you did all the work, you gave credit to yourself more than to God. You know, you did all the work. You suffered the labor, right? And that's how it was for my first four kids. They're mine. Because I went through the difficult pregnancy. I went through the difficult delivery, you know, and they're mine. So it wasn't really God's, you know. But the moment I received Rachel, it was an aha moment. I'm like, oh, this is what it means that she, she is not mine, but a child of God. And I realize, and so when people ask, like, can you really love your biological kid same as your adopted kids? But if you think about that every kid, no matter what way they came and enter into this earth, if you really believe that they are a child of God, then you can love them equally. Because now you're not going to think of the child that you gave birth to as mine, but they are a child of God. So as an adopted parent, that's how we were able to really grab and hold on to our two daughters. Afterwards, we adopted Sophie, and she's the 14-year-old. Um, our, my hardship as an adoptive mom now was Rachel was going through the same things I went through high school years. She couldn't build relate, trusting relationships. She couldn't build it with, even with us. Like, she would have you know, spending money, she would have birthday money, sebedon, you know, all those stuff. And when time came and said, okay, Rachel, I'll buy you a shirt, she'll be like, oh, it's okay, I have money. Or, you know, Rachel, you know, let's go get, you know, 
you know, whenever I offered to buy her something, she kept saying, oh, it's okay, I have money. And that really hurt me. Every time she would say, it's okay. And I remember she was like maybe freshman in high school or maybe even eighth. Yeah, I, I, she was in high school. And one day when she said that, I started crying. And she's like, why are you crying? And I realized she wasn't letting me be her mom, you know, to provide for her. You know, she, and so I felt so bad for her because she's thinking I have to survive on my own. I have to figure out, you know, if I want certain things, I have to just save and figure it out instead of realizing, accepting, like, I have a mom and dad. When I need something, I can go to them, and, you know, they will provide. She didn't have that. And because I was crying, she asked, and then that's when I told her, you're not letting me be your mom. And, and she opened up, and we were able to share and she started improving little by little. You know, now she asks me for everything. Okay. <laughs> but my prayer is the same thing now for Sophie because she's 14 and she's doing the same right now. And um, as an pa adopted parent, it's very heartbreaking. You know, I want to love them. I want to give them. But sometimes they reject. And I know it's because of their primal wound that they have to go through this. It's a journey for them. You know, I, I'm 55 years old, and honestly, it hasn't been until like a few years ago that I finally accepted, you know, where I am. That's why I didn't want to talk about adoption anymore, because I feel like I shouldn't, I don't need to be separated as an adopted child, you know. I just, I'm just the child of God. Like, that's how I want it. But I think it's good for me to share, because I don't know if you guys ever thought that adoption could be trauma, too. Um, but another good thing is adoption is love. And as Pastor Dave said, God loved us, you know, God so loved the world, right? And he, that he gave us his son, Jesus. Um, he loved us so much that he uh, created us first in love, and then he adopted us as his sons and daughters. And I, if any of you guys are not adopt, you're just normal people, I guess. I don't, I don't want to say normal. You could be abnormal too. But as a Christian, as a child of God, I question you guys. Are you guys living a life as spiritual orphans? Like Pastor Dave said, God loves you. But do you live like an orphan? Like God wants to give you all these blessings. He wants to give you. But do you even ask him? Or do you feel that you have to go out in the world and provide for yourself and figure out your problems, you know, to succeed or to, you know, accomplish something? Instead, are you truly a child of God that you can go to him and say, God, I need this. I need you to help me on this. Just as my desire is my girls to be able to trust me and come to me and say, Mom and Dad, you know, I'm struggling in here. I need help. As a parent, I'll we will be like jumping up and down. Of course we'll help you. You know, this is why we're here for you. You know, God is waiting too, you know, for us as a child of God, for us to not live like spiritual orphans, but to really be able to um, turn to him and to ask and to really accept that you are a child of God. Uh, my conclusion is my identity. I started with like I'm a wife, I'm a mother, you know, grandmother, adoptee and adopted mother. But now I don't want to say those stuff. I want to say, I want to say my identity is that I'm a child of God, you know, period. You know, God loves me. God loves you. Doesn't matter if you're adopted. Doesn't matter, you know, what your past is. 
that he is waiting right now to hear from each children, you know, what we need from him. And he will be more than thrilled to answer those prayers. Okay, thank you. This is trauma in being adopted, and I think the rest of my sermon is fleshing that out and seeing how we wrestle with a lot of the same things as adopted children of our, our living father. What does it mean for you um, to live into your adoption? What do you struggle with, with your heavenly father? There's a trauma and a hardship and a struggle that we all have with being adopted children of God. We have a hard time believing as Hannah said, that we are loved. We have a hard time believing that we can trust our Heavenly Father with these things. And so today, as we look at um, adoption a little bit deeper in my last point, um, I want to look at the privileges of adoption. How do we receive adoption, go through that transformation that Hannah shared, that she went through? What about with us and God? How do we do that? How do we receive it? Here are some of the things that we need to receive in our adoption. These are the privileges of adoption that we need to really claim in order to be true children of God, to go from fatherless and make that transition to making God our father. The first thing we need to do is we need to cast out fear by his love. Let me read one more time. Now nah, I'm probably going to read it a bunch of more times. But Romans 8, okay? I love this passage so much. And this week, I listened to a lot of stories of adopted children just to try to understand what it was like. And I I understood this passage completely differently now in this. Romans 8, 15, it says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, just like Hannah shared. The Father says to us, you're not letting me be your father. You're not letting me be your father. And these are some ways that we can allow that to happen. We need to cast out fear. John 1, verse 11 to 12, it says this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is talking about Jesus. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Notice that he did not say, for those who believe in him, he gave them the right to go to heaven. He says, for those who received him, he gave them the right to be his kids. And here are your rights. One, no more fear. No more fear that you will be cast out by the Father. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer a servant alone of God, but you are his son and daughter. That's a huge difference in the way that you relate to God. I love that Hannah shared in her testimony that there was a lack of intimacy because um, the child was not letting her be her mother. In a lot of ways, you struggle with intimacy for the very same reason. You struggle with the spirit of slavery. And because of that, your relationship with your father is far and distanced. Um, There was a a movie that came out in uh, 2009 depicting the story of black maids in the middle of the civil rights movement. It was called The Help, if you've seen it. um, It's a great movie. It was uh, nominated for multiple Academy Awards, and it talks about the the story of those who served in white homes 
black maids who served in white homes during the civil rights movement. And one of the main characters, her name is Skeeter. And uh, she had this uh, maid whose name was Constantine. She was a maid in the home, but she was more like a family member. She was like a family member. They loved her. Skeeter almost treated her like a mom. And her mother, uh, Charlotte, treated Constantine like an older sister. She was this old maid who lived with, the, with them, and they loved her. And they loved her. One day, um, Skeeter's mom, Constantine, gets accepted into a very exclusive club called the Daughters of America. And it's this exclusive secret club, and there's this big ceremony at the house during lunch where she gets this pin, and there's this big celebration that Skeeter's mom, Charlotte, is inducted into this group. And you see Charlotte so proud of what happened, and she's looking at Constantine on the steps and looking at her almost as if she's looking at an older sister who's so proud of her. And she shows her the pin, and um, with just the look of her eyes, says, I did it. And Constantine looks at her, and she says, I'm so proud of you just by the look of her eyes. But then at that lunch, Constantine's daughter uh, comes home to visit her surprise. And being a maid, they really, her daughter really shouldn't come in through the front door. She should go around through the back, according to the customs of that day. She's a servant. And so servants go through the back, through the kitchen. And yet Constantine's daughter comes in through the front door and walks in through the lunch in the middle of this ceremony. And the president of the club stands up and looks at Charlotte and giving her eyes, basically saying, how could you let this happen? People like us, don't let this happen. We don't allow servants to act like this. You have to put her in her place. But for Charlotte, Constantine is like family. She's heartbroken. And so she tries to treat this situation softly, trying to, you know, guide it away. But then the president of the club is looking at her, saying, basically with her eyes, if you do not deal with this, if you don't put this servant in her place, your membership is rescinded. We don't let people like you in our club. If you don't know how to treat servants like servants, then you can't be with us. Charlotte has to do a heartbreaking thing, and she kicks out Constantine. And you see the heartbreak in their eyes as she's kicked out, slowly walking out, Years and years of being together, being thrown away, and Constantine is thrown out and actually never seen again. I was watching that scene and realizing, I guess that's what it means to really be a servant. When push comes to shove, even though Constantine was like family, when push comes to shove, she was a servant. And a lot of you believe that you are merely a servant with God, that if push came to shove and if you crossed the line with God, that he would cast you out. Like Hannah shared in her testimony that there's this fear that you will come close with God and then God will cast you away because you're just a servant, that he will one day abandon you because he will find out that you're not as good as he thought that you were. That's the spirit of slavery. That's inside of your heart. And that's why you're not as intimate with God as you would like to be. Because you are scared. You are scared of abandonment. You have the spirit of fear. Paul says, stop. God did not give us a spirit of slavery so that we fall back into fear. But he gave you the spirit of adoption as sons. 
so that you will never be cast out. Instead of you being cast out, God, what, what does he do instead? He brings love and he casts out fear instead of you. Perfect love casts out fear instead of you. That's what it means that you are his child. Don't you see, you have to let him be your father. And until you do, you will lack intimacy with him. You'll always be fearing that you're going to cross some line. In Hosea 11.8, God pours out his heart to try to convince us that that's never going to happen. The people of God had uh, crossed a lot of lines made a lot of mistakes, sinned and rebelled against God, and yet God, pouring out his heart in Hosea 11.8, says this, but how can I give you up? Hosea 11.8, he says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? Isn't that our fear? That he'll abandon us, that he'll give us away. He says, how can I ever do that? How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? I can't. You are my child. My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. How can his heart grow tender for us when we're messing up? How can his heart grow warmer for you when you are sinning? Just ask any parent. They will tell you, that even when your child is rebelling, your heart grows with compassion for them. God says, how could I ever give you up? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And Paul here, he says, don't live in a spirit of slavery anymore. He will never abandon you. He will never cast you out. So you need to stop fearing God in that way. And you need to grow intimate with him and call out to him, Abba, Father. The second thing that it means, the second privilege um, of adoption is that adoption means, brothers and sisters, that you get brothers and sisters. Adoption means that you don't just get a father, but you get a family. Imagine a child who's been adopted and he comes into the home after the process of adoption and they bring the child home. And then as soon as the kid gets home, he looks at all of his family members in the living room and he says, wait, 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 what is this? He says, you didn't tell me about this. You didn't tell me that there were other people here. I just wanted a relationship with you, my father. Who are all these people? What is the, imagine how ridiculous that would be. And the father says, this is your family. This is what adoption means. Adoption means family. And what if the kid says, no, I don't want this. I just want a relationship with you, maybe online, maybe in my QTs, maybe just you and me, but not all these people. What would the father say? The father would kneel down and say, my son, my daughter, adoption means family. Adoption means other people. Adoption means your brothers and sisters. Mosaic, it's been a long time since we've been together like this. Some of you have not come back yet. I hope you do soon. But your adoption means brothers and sisters. It means you are in community. It means that now you have a role in community. You cannot have in God's eyes a relationship with him and not his kids. 
It doesn't make any sense in the gospel of adoption. Stop trying to have a faith without your brothers and sisters. Adoption means family. And if you have been struggling and you have been far away from community and mosaic, I want to tell you the farther you are away from the community and your family, eventually the farther you will get from the Father. He comes with the family. That's one of the privileges of adoption. That's why we take care of widows and orphans. That's why we care for one another. Because we are brought into a family and Adoption not only means we get a father, but it means that we get brothers and sisters that we love and care for, especially those who need us the most. And I want to introduce to you a ministry called Oak Tree Ministry. This ministry is a ministry in Korea that looks after orphans and those who have aged out um, of the the age of adoption. And um, as Mosaic, we're going to be starting um, this a movement to try to help and, and to uh, fund some of these orphans. And we want to love them, even though we're an ocean away. And so actually we have a video for you just to introduce to you this ministry. This is Oak Tree Ministry. This is something that I hope that we can, we can come together and be a part of. Um, but please give your attention to the video. Oak Tree Project is a scholarship and mentoring program for Korean orphans who get into college. Korean orphans must move out of their children's home within two weeks after graduating from high school. The Korean government gives them about $5,000 and then they're on their own. This means that these students must work almost full time in order to pay for their tuition and for their living expenses. With all the time spent on work and studying, they have little time for rest, for friends, or emotional support. These students also lack any family who can encourage them. Oak Tree Project was created to help these students. Through Oak Tree Project, our students receive about $500 a month for their living expenses, and they are also assigned a mentor to them who will connect with them until they graduate. Our living expense scholarship enables our students to focus on their studies during the semester and only work full time during the summer and winter breaks. For orphans who've had to work full time, often their grades have suffered, leading them to either drop out or fall deep into debt. But for the students on our scholarship fund, their grades have gone up and they've been able to receive other scholarships for their tuition. We have seen great success through this scholarship fund and many of our students are now near the top of their class. Korean orphans go from living in the children's home with 40 to 100 other kids and workers to suddenly living on their own. The lack of emotional support has led some students to fall into depression and even commit suicide. Orphans are also a target for sex trafficking and for gangs. With Oak Tree Project, each student is assigned a mentor who will call them once a week and meet with them once a month until the student graduates. These mentors provide the emotional support and guidance that our students so desperately need. Our staff and mentors are all strictly volunteers and receive no compensation. So that means more than 99% of donations given to Oak Tree Project go directly to the students. Oak Tree Project has grown from four students in 2013 to 18 students in 2016. And there are so many more orphans that we desire to help. Please consider supporting Oak Tree Project.
Thank you. Me again. <laughs> um, I deliberately didn't really prepare um, anything to say because I really kind of wanted to just uh, talk based on, um, you know, what I felt and uh, what we've been talking about this morning. But um, adoption is, is, I can remember, um, my, my grandmother was um, an old Dutch Christian reform woman, probably the most godly woman that I've ever met in my life. But, you know, she was very, she didn't beat around the bush, let's put it that way, right? So um, I remember being little and sitting by her kitchen table with her because she was kind of a shut-in. She didn't really get out that much just because of health reasons and stuff, but being like eight, ten years old and her sitting me down by the kitchen table and explaining to me the whole concept of adoption, right, biblically. And I just sat there, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but I, I didn't realize until much later in life, um, you know, that concept that she was trying to, to kind of instill into me. And that was one of the most... Um, important concepts to her was this whole idea of adoption. That's the one thing I remember. I mean, she's been gone for probably almost 25 to 30 years now, but it's still fresh in my mind. It's the one thing I remember about her. And I was at her house one time, and uh, because she was a shut-in, her pastor came over, and he was like, oh, Mrs. Van Dyke, how are you today? And they were making small talk, and then all of a sudden I was in the next room, and I heard she's like, you need to preach more sermons on adoption. And that's just the kind of person she was. But... I just, that, that, that whole concept, that, that's one thing I remember about her was that this, this whole concept was just so important to her. Um, and, and God always, like, God's never going to reject us. Anyone that goes to him, you know, he will lovingly reach out and he will adopt us so that we can call him our father and we can be his children. Um, you know, but a lot of times, um, as, as we saw, a lot of these kids are not so fortunate um, here on earth. Uh, to, to receive a parent or a family um, before, you know, before they graduate high school. And you can see these, these kids, they grow up, they have no family, they live in these large group homes, um, and then basically at, as soon as they graduate high school, it's just like, here's a little, bit of, a little bit of money, and they go out into the world and they've got nothing, right? They've got no one to turn to, they, they've got... Um, no financial stability. They've got. They're just kind of thrown into the into the fire. Um, so this this organization, uh, we just my wife and I got involved with it um, only a few months ago. Um, but um, my my wife has a a, a heart for um, orphans, um, and it's something that I didn't really realize. But um, this, this is something that God's really placed on her heart. So we've been involved with this ministry only for a couple of months. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way to um, get involved with these orphans and help them get a, a jump start in life. Um, there is a lot of ways you can give. Um, you can actually kind of adopt a, uh, a student and sponsor them through uh, on a monthly basis at whatever level of giving um, is, is appropriate. Um, and the information, I don't have, we don't have any written inf 
printed information today. Next week, there will be information um, on the back table. Uh, but to kick this off um, as a church, uh, we're going to, for the next four weeks, uh, we're going to um, kind of collect, or if you feel led to give on a one-time basis, um, anything that you give through Mosaic, uh, Mosaic will match up to $1,500 total. Um, and then we can uh, give that money uh, to the organization and, and they can distribute it. But um, I would encourage everyone to at least take a look. Um, you can jump in and sponsor kind of like on a monthly basis, kind of like with Compassion where you kind of um, partner up with, with a, a specific child. Works a little bit differently, but you can contribute on, on a monthly basis um, to help these kids kind of get a, a jump start in life. So I would encourage you just pray about it. Um, it's a great organization. Um, and like I said, there's a couple ways you can give through Mosaic over the next four weeks, uh, either through Zelle. If you uh, do it through Zelle, just make sure you put into the notation Oak Tree. Uh, you can also give through PushPay. Um, we're going to put a, um, a designation there for this special giving. It's not there yet, um, but it will be shortly, so keep your eyes open for that. But like I said, if Mosaic will match up to $1,500 of donations that are made um, over the next four weeks. So pray about it, um, and if God leads you to do that, then I would encourage you to um, take that step. Thanks. If the Lord calls you, it's a great way for us to act on this sermon. I'm going to close uh, by telling you uh, two quick things. It also means that we are adopted children. One, if you are adopted by Christ, it means that whatever hardship you're going through now, it's not punishment. It's not punishment, but it's discipline. That's what it means that you are a child. Whatever you are experiencing right now, he is not after you to give you wrath, but he is after you with love. That's what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews tells us that he is disciplining those whom he loves. What are you going through right now? It's difficult. It's discipline. It's love. It's not being cast out. Our brother Maine, he's a physical therapist, and he treats a bunch of you, and it's very painful for those of you who he treats because he's got to bend you in ways that does not feel good. But I love what he says to his, some of his patients, he told me. He tells his patients, I'm going to hurt you, but I'm not harming you. This is going to hurt, but I am not harming you. And I love that because I feel like that's what God is doing with us. There are things that you're going through in your life. It's painful, but he's not harming you. He's disciplining you. He's shaping you. He's molding you because you are his adopted child. The last thing it means to be adopted is that he will always provide for you. God is always providing for you that he is providing you his provision. And we need to know that. I, I told you that I listened to a lot of stories of adopted children this week. Um, and one of the stories that I heard was uh, the story of these two kids who were adopted. They were pretty young. They were still living, uh, eating off of high chairs uh, during dinner. And the parents, they gave this testimony of these two adopted young kids. And they found the kids doing something very strange in the middle of meals. And what these kids were doing is they were hiding food in the middle of their meal. They were hiding food in their high chair. They were hiding food in their pockets. Parents were wondering, what's going on? Why are you hiding food in the middle of dinner? And when they asked the children, the children told them, we need to hide food just in case you abandon us. 
We need to hide food away in case you throw us out. Imagine the heartbreak of the father and the mother who hears that, that these little kids think that their mom and dad will throw them away because as Hannah shared with us, they're still experiencing the trauma of being adopted. They don't trust their father and their mother to care for them. And so they were hiding food in their high chairs, these little kids. Is that you? I think a lot of us are like that as Christians. You're anxious about money all the time, and you're hiding money in your high chair. You're anxious about your life, and so you're hiding things in your high chair because you say to God, what if you throw me away? I have to take care of myself. You know, brothers and sisters, we have the trauma of being adopted way more than you think. But today, the Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness to your spirit. You are my child. You don't need to hide money in your high chair. You don't need to worry about your future. You don't need to be so anxious about your career. You don't need to be so scared about your kids. His spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. You are my child. Stop hiding things in your high chair. You're my child. You don't know what I would do to make sure that you are fed. You don't know what I would do to make sure that you are cared for. You are my son. You are my daughter. Today, my brothers and sisters, we need to receive that in our own ways and to know that you are his child because he is bearing witness that you are his son and daughter. As we close, I want to read Matthew 6, but can I invite you all to stand? And in a posture of prayer, I want to read you this. In Matthew 6, notice how many times he says, your heavenly father. That's how he's talking to you in Matthew 6. As adopted children of God, listen to your dad. He says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Did you catch that? Your dad feeds them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the orphans or the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Let's quickly pray before we answer in a song of response.
Father, we confess that we lived in a spirit of slavery. But you've told us today we're no longer slaves to be afraid that we will be abandoned. But you are, by Christ, adopted as my child and my, my son, my daughter. No more fear of being fatherless. You are inviting us into intimacy with our Father. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. Help us now as one Mosaic family sing of our freedom. May we sing that we are no longer slaves, but children of God. I pray that today that you would bear witness with our spirit. As we, as we sing, I pray, may your spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our offerings and let's respond to the song of grace.